Good morning. Go ahead and stand up, stretch out, and join me in singing about our mighty God. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations.
my God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. God, when we gather here, we get to sing. And when we sing, we accomplish two things. One is that we get to lift up your name. And we get to, as a people, uh, shout out the praise of Jesus and the praise of God the Father and the praise of the Holy Spirit. We get to do that. And the other side is that as we sing these words, uh, we're reminded of spiritual realities that are not always evident in everyday life. Uh, We face a lot of battles and giants and junk in our lives that sometimes seems to want to just absolutely overwhelm us. And so we come and sing these words and hear these words and we're reminded of that spiritual reality that you are a conquering king. You are mighty to save. We, we do not serve a God who, who is part of the distant past but has nothing to do with now. You are here past, present, and future. You are there battling on our behalf. And we're grateful for that and thankful for that today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is great to see you. Go ahead and have a seat. As you do, you walked in, you received a folder today, and on the inside of the folder, uh, there's a card in there. I want you to go ahead and take that card out, put your name on the front. At the back side, we're going to be making some spiritual commitments at the end of our time here together today, so I want you to be prepared for that up front. If you're your first time here today, you can go ahead and fill out as much of the card as you feel comfortable filling out. But again, it's just great to have you join us on this uh, summer Sunday morning. So this morning, I I find myself, actually, for the last couple of days, I am just breathing heavy. I'm breathing heavy because of all we have to accomplish in 60 minutes. And I promise we will get it done in 60 minutes, but we got a lot to do between now and the end. So the first thing we're going to do today is honor our high school graduates. That is, the graduates who are here. Do you know how hard it has been to schedule a day in which the majority of our high school graduates are present? It's been impossible. So this is what we've decided to do. We'll hit them when they're here. So if you're a high school graduate this year, not 1948, congratulations, but that's done. (laughs) 2013, and you graduated, you got the paper, you were at the ceremony, they said, yep, you're in. You can go ahead and come on up right now. I'm not even going to name who should be here or might be here because I will be wrong. I know there are two on the front row. Beyond that, that may be it. No, Nicole, come on up, Nicole, cool. So we have three, come on up, all the way up. Big time. Yeah, all the way up. We want your face in the light. We want everybody to see you. So like I said, you may have a kid who's not here today, or you may know of somebody who's not here today. You're like, oh man, they missed the day. No, we'll, we'll hit them on their Sunday. But three out of 10. Nice. We're, we're whittling this thing down. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. I got a mic hiding over here. And um, now that you're, now that you are a graduate, you know how to do public speaking. So, what sermon do you have for us today, Nicole? Here, no, go ahead and hold this thing. What we're going to want to know is uh, your first name, last name. Don't do Social Security, but if you want to give us the last four numbers, that's fine. And then um, beyond that, tell us where you graduated from. Tell us what's next, whether that's college or something else. And um, what you plan to be when you grow up. So that we know four majors from now what you planned on today. Okay. So go ahead and get us started. I know you're brave and gutsy. You can do this for us. 
All right, I'm Nicole Eberhard. I graduated from Minoka Community High School. I'm going to JJC, and I'm undecided. <laughs> hey, good way to start. A lot of people. How many of you started as an undecided? Yeah, how many of you had more than four majors? Nobody's admitting. I know you did. I know you did. So pretty exciting being done. Yes. You feel definitely. like you feel like you've been released. You're an adult now. Parents making you pay rent now? No. Uh, I shouldn't give them yet. any ideas. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, congratulations on graduating. That's great. And now for the guy in the group. Be gutsy, be bold, be brave. Again, tell us your uh, your name and all that stuff. Why don't you step over here? That'll work even better. There you go. I'm Chad Krieger. I nice deep from... voice. You should do this for a living. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And a comedian to boot. We're working. This is great. And I'm as well going to JJC this year, and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. So. Okay. Your mom has some plans, she's told us. So, are you ready? No. She, should, she should come up here. <laughs> yeah. You want to see someone turn beet red? Here we go. <laughs> Why don't you step over this way, lady? My name is Rachel Herzberger. I graduated from Minooka High School. I'm going to be going to North Central College and becoming an athletic trainer. Nice. Very good. Congratulations. All right. She knows. One out of three. That's about the national average right there. That's great. Uh, you know, we, we do this. We, we celebrate our kids for a reason. Uh, you know, years ago I heard someone say, everyone needs to know and be known, serve and be served, love and be loved, celebrate and be celebrated. And we get these mile markers along the way that we get to celebrate an accomplishment in life. And, and all of us that have done it recognize graduating from high school is an accomplishment. It may have just been an endurance test, but, but you got it done. Congratulations. And, and now you get to move on to the next thing. One of the wishes, desires that we have for you as a church is that, um, is that Jesus continue to be formed in you. Uh, hopefully, this is not the end of your God experience. Now you go, oh, good. Mom's not making me come to church anymore. I'm done. I can go live my life and do what I want. We hope to see throughout the years God continue to be formed in you. And so what we want to do is give you a couple gifts. And uh, sorry, I like books. You're stuck. So you have to read at least two more books in your life. All right? One is the Bible, which you should read anyway. And the other is a book by a man named A.W. Tozer. He lived a while back called The Pursuit of God. I wrote this in the front, and I did not write it with my hands so that you could read it. It says, Through the first 18 years of your life, you accomplished some pretty amazing things, not the least of which you graduated from high school. As you move into a new season of life, be confident of a few things. Here's the first. We love you, and we're always here for you. No matter what happens in your life, you can always come home, and we will always smile when we see you. All right? That's the first. The second, we're praying for you because we believe there is nothing greater that we can do for you. And finally, we long to see the work of God fulfilled in you. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 4.19 that he longs for Christ to be fully formed in, our, in the lives of his children. That's what we want for you. We want you to look and be like Jesus. So to honor you on this day, we're giving you two gifts. Both of them are books to serve in order to form you into Jesus. The first is a, a compact one-year Bible. See? Um, read it every day that you can. It's small, so you can take it everywhere you go. Hide it in the backpack. Uh, don't get hung up on missing days. Just keep going. Just think. Get this. 
If you start now, it's possible for you to read through the Bible at least 50 times in your life. Now, some of us are not, we're too old. We would never, if I start now, I won't make it to 50 years of my life. You could do this. This is cool. The other book is a classic by a man who is from the last century who really got it. Now, what I'd like you to do is start thinking in terms of an annual reading list. Books that you pull out that you go, I need to hit these at least once a year. And I'm giving you your first one. All right. This is a book that I actually read annually. And I got to admit to you, the first time I read it, I went, I don't get it. And the second time I went, hmm. And the third time I went, oh. And the fourth time I went, wow. So you got to read it at least four times to get to wow. Okay? But um, as you're growing, we are hopeful and prayerful that it will grow Jesus in you. Both books and our prayers are given to you in hopes of seeing Jesus fully formed in you. We love you. Come home often. Write, call, text, Facebook, tweet, Instagram, and whatever else comes in style to stay in touch with us. We love you both. We love you all. So congratulations. Congratulations, Dad. Congratulations, Dad. Here you go. And here you go. And I didn't know there were going to be three, so hold on. Oh, don't worry. Here. Just because you had to wait, here's some tape, too. Okay? Now let me pray for you. Father God, we are so grateful for the stage that you brought these people to in life. These adults who, who have a heart and a love for you, who want to continue to be with you and serve you. And I pray that we would be able to watch them throughout their days. Some of these kids, God, we've been able to see them grow literally their whole lives. And it's been amazing to see Jesus formed in them already. And I pray that that work will continue until the day you come back. We love you and we love the fact that we get the chance to build into people, but that they also get to build into us no matter what age they are, no matter what stage of life. We pray your great blessing on them. We pray that you will always be just absolutely clearly present in their lives and, uh, and that they'll never forget you and they won't forget us. In Jesus' name, amen. You both get to sit. You have to stay. <clears throat> no, you do. <clears throat> Because what we're going to do now is bring up all the gang that went to Green Lake. So if you went to Green Lake, come on up. You'll be able to tell because they are either on crutches, have a cast, or something else broken. So come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Thanks. So we had uh, all together 30-some people here. You take that. 30-some people head on up to Green Lake, which was pretty amazing. No, you get up here. Get up here. Get up here. You don't get to stand down there. You got to come on up. Here. I know you don't. That's why we're making you come up. (laughs) This was, uh, we said last week, uh, an introduction really to the concept of a missions trip for our our high schoolers. Uh, And what we're glad is that on the first trip, we didn't send them to Argentina. Because what they learned on this trip was how life works when Oh, bones break and all that kind of stuff. And you parents of junior hires need to make sure kids are drinking more milk. (laughs) Get get drinking the milk. Get it together. Honestly, that was not the highlight of the trip. There were tons of highlights to the trip. Uh, They there was uh, a week of work projects, being able to go and and uh, clear forests and paint and and all kinds of stuff. And I guess a little fun along the way. There were some jet skis involved. So 
Brian, why don't you just give us the highlights of the week, uh, as if I haven't already. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I think you pretty much covered our highlights. But uh, <laughs> honestly, we just, I was blown away. You know, I, I, here I take this group of 15 or 16 junior hires, 15 or 16 high schoolers, expecting to get, out of three solid days of work, I expected to get one. Because, uh, you know, I figured with distractions and fighting and, you know, injuries, which I didn't plan those. But um, out of all that, I figured here we'd, we'd get at least one good day. And these kids bust their butts all week long. It was amazing to watch. So for me, that was the highlight, was watching these kids just keep their nose to the grindstone and really get a lot of work done around a place that needed a lot of work done. Um, but then, you know, we had all kinds of fun. We went on a wagon ride uh, late at night. We went up in the in Judson Tower, which is a 121-step uh, tower that we did it in the pitch black, dark at night. And a lot of kids overcame some uh, fear of heights, which was cool to watch. And bats. And bats, yeah. which, which, I, which I told them was pigeons. But uh, <laughs> sorry for lying. They were bats. Uh, <laughs> you made it back alive. Come on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, at the end of the week, you know, we, we really we made sure that on, or we had some, some, some of our girls uh, worked with Shelly in a little ice cream and coffee shop f- serving over 550 um, Greek Orthodox kids that were up there for a camp, and it was just nonstop. So they were working really hard. Um, but then on Thursday, we, we finished up our last day of work, and uh, then we surprised them with a, a pontoon trip, and then uh, three of our leaders show up, showed up with a couple of jet skis to whip them around on. So it was a <laughs> – well, some, some of us took it easy, and uh, others tried to break more bones. Uh, <laughs> but I think more people had fun on the bone-breaking trip. But All right, so you want to hear from The me? story around our house is that, Joy, you went into the water on the <laughs> second turn. <laughs> His second home. <laughs> he has a habit of throwing people in the water. It's, it's pretty ruthless. So, uh, I, you know, what I thought would be good is if you've got something, a highlight of the week for you that you'd like to, only a couple people have to do this, but if you have a highlight from the week, something that was exciting, something that um, you want people to hear about, there are two mics. So who would like a shot at this? Go crazy. Go oh, all right, Alice, go ahead. I was simply amazed at the children and how they work together. Um, You've all done a fine job raising your children. Um, No arguing, no fighting as to, no, I don't want to do that. They all pitched in, and I said it was pretty difficult to paint a bathhouse, especially if you got a brush like this. (laughs) I got this brush. We, I painted signs, but they painted picnic tables and they just continued to work and they'd ask every once in a while, you know, how much longer? And, you know, we'd tell them and we weren't the greatest leaders at bringing the water. We did buy it, but we would always leave it back at the dorm. And so they were like, we're a little thirsty. No, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> But through it all, they were they were a blessing, and they pitched in, and uh, good little troopers. I'm blessed to know all of them. Very good. Very good. Who else? What else you got? Rach, tell us about how fun it was. Here you go. Okay, you got it? There you go. For the time that I was there, it was, um, it was really cool to see 
different groups of kids actually get to know different ones, especially the junior highs hanging out with the high school students because it's a little scary. They're older. They're supposed to be looking up to them, but I think us high schoolers can look up just as much to the junior hires as they can to us because with me being a leader with other groups, I've learned a lot from younger kids than I can learn from, my own, from myself, so it was a lot of fun. That's great. Junior hires are pretty good at pranks, too. <laughs> with Rachel's help, of course. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the water guns were good. Yeah. <laughs> Joy, you got a hand up there? Go ahead. I was surprised at how fun the work was. I wasn't really expecting it to be that much fun, but I painted two of the three days, and that was really a good experience, I think. And um, the second day, instead of painting, I cleared brush, which resulted in a lot of scratches. <laughs> but I think it was cool, the teamwork that was involved with that. There was a group that was actually cutting down the trees and a group that was sort of separating the leaves from the trees, and then there was another group that was, like, chopping up the logs into decent sizes, and it was a lot of fun. It was a great, I think, a great first first time here. Better than 35 people between leaders and kids, just a, an amazing turnout, a lot of fun. The people that I, of course, want to call uh, attention to this morning are, are leaders, leaders that were just great. Mark came up for, Mark, you were up there for a day or two. Yeah, a couple, couple of days. Marie was there all week, took a week off work in order to be there and, and help with the kids. Don took a week off work in order to be there. And uh, these two are a part of working with our students, our high schoolers all the time. And, um, and Mark works with junior high. And then we have these two here, Ray and Alice. Ray and Alice, I'll tell you what, the grandma and grandpa of the group. It's just been, it's been fantastic. The kids love having them around. And you got to understand, I mean, this whole concept, this theory of retiring, what a joke. Um, all it means is he doesn't have to go to a real job so he can come do things with and for us. And we just, uh, Ray, the week before camp, the weeks before camp, was getting tires on a van and making sure oil was in a truck and all kinds of work that went into play. And then the part that, that ended up being a role that they did not expect to have, that I'm glad they were there for, is Twice they got to visit the hospital in Ripon. And, um, and to be able to have someone go that isn't taking a child to the hospital for the first time. You've been there a couple times with all the kids you have and whatever. So uh, to be able to have that role was, was fantastic. But uh, to have leaders that are willing to take off a week in order to go be with the kids and, again, help to see Christ formed in them was absolutely fantastic. So we're really proud of all of you. Tyler, how's the arm? Feeling good. <laughs> Tyler decided to fall up a hill, and uh, and he's got a decorative cast today to match his shirt. And um, yeah, Jackson Jackson Aubrey did uh, messed up his shoulder. The Aubreys aren't here today; they're now going to a new church. No. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, it was just, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and they're with them. Uh, but thank you so much for entrusting your kids. Uh, to this crew, and we're grateful for just the great things that happened in their lives. So I'm going to pray right now with all of them. Father God, I, I thank you so much for the willingness to sacrifice time in order to serve someone else. Someone else we've met, never even met, we will never even know. Through the years, there will be people that will come to know Jesus sitting at one of those picnic tables at Green Lake. 
They're going to use uh, different facilities. They're going to go on a path that was cleared. And in that place, they're going to, they're going to be able to realize the privilege of, of Green Lake, which is just a place that's developed for a closer walk with God. And God, we help them to accomplish their mission this week. This week, we helped them to be able to be a place that brings people into a closer connection with Jesus by using our hands and our feet and working hard and working well. I pray that throughout the lives of our, of our students, they would learn more and more that the greatest role we can ever have is the role of a servant. The first shall be last. The last shall be first, you said. You want us to be servants. And God, I pray that that would be instilled and ingrained in every one of our hearts. Thank you again for their willingness to do this. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Herd, you can have a seat. Thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, I wish somebody would have took a video of Shelly and Brian Stacey when these kids got there. Yeah, I'll bet. Who? I'll bet, I'll bet. <clears throat> I've got a, had the experience recently couple times now, of sitting at uh, graduation ceremonies, both high school graduation ceremonies and, and college graduation ceremonies. And I got to admit to you, there's something happening at, at modern ceremonies that just kind of, I don't know, it leaves me mourning inside. While I'm sitting there, I just, I feel this, this groan in me. I, I'm wishing for, longing for something different. Now the groan, of course, in part, is because my kids are growing up. But the other part of the groan is, is the message that's delivered. The message that's delivered of, of human achievement, of personal potential, but absolutely void of any reference to any power higher than a human being. And I'm not even saying identifying the name G-O-D, God, just anything that references anything mightier than a human. It, it leaves me sad because as that happens, I realize that in the truest sense, our kids aren't being prepared for real life. Because in real life, they're going to come up against things that human achievement can do nothing about. They're going to come up against things that their potential cannot overcome. You know, you've lived a few years. You know that there are giants that they will face and battles that they will fight. And they need something bigger and higher than them in order to get through. Now, today's not my day to rant on secularism. That's not the point. In fact, I'd like to aim the gun in another direction and say the same thing happens in our churches. Far too often in our churches, we're forgetting that we need God. Far too often in our churches, we are focusing on human achievement and we're focusing on personal potential and we're forgetting that in the battles of life and in the good times of life, we need a connection with the creator. And if we don't have that, we're sunk. We're going to have a really hard time. So <clears throat> what I'd like to do this morning is, is look at a story from the Bible of a man who really was connected with God. And I'm telling you what, he is a man who had experienced, he had all of the great human achievements of leaders before him piled up, and he was able to stand on those. And he had potential coming out of his ears. And yet every time he gets the opportunity, rather than claiming human power, 
He says, God, I need your divine power. I need your strength. I need you in order to see me through the times of life. His story is found in, in Second Chronicles 17. This isn't clicking Dave is the thing in. There we go. His story is found in 2 Chronicles 17. His name is Jehoshaphat. His father was named Asa, and he became the next king of Judah after his father died. Now, you remember that, that the nation of Israel is made up of 12 tribes. In our, in our mind, it would be states, you know, but, but they're tribes. And there came a point, a couple of generations after David, that there's a division. Ten of the tribes go to the north. Well, they were in the north. They don't move. But 10 of the tribes are in the north. Two are in the south. And the 10 tribes to the north become identified as Israel. And the two tribes to the south become identified as Judah. So Jehoshaphat is one of the kings of Judah. And so was his father before him, Asa. He became the next king. And and it's interesting because right off the bat, the chronicler starts to talk about his accomplishments. He says that he strengthened Judah to stand against any attack of Israel. So during this era, the nation is being fortified. It's being fortified. They are not going to be attacked the way that they were in the past. What the writer is doing here in part is building a little suspense. Because if you've read through the one-year Bible, if you've read through this passage of Scripture, you know something that happens. Every time a new king or a new leader of Israel or Judah is named, there's a declaration. A declaration that lets us know right off the bat where this guy is going. He either did that which was right in the eyes of God, or he did that which was evil in the eyes of God. And so we're already wondering, where is he going to fall? What's going to happen with him? Well, in his case, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. He did the right thing. He did that which was right with God. In fact, in chapter 17, it lists all the things that he did. It says, he followed the example of his father's early years. Asa was great in the beginning, and he kind of drifted toward the end of his life. It's funny, we think that the kids tend to be messed up and eventually become good. A lot of times it works out just the opposite. A person is doing pretty well early in life, and then they start to drift. Asa drifted. So Jehoshaphat followed the early years. It says he did not worship the images of Baal. He sought his father's God. He obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. So here he is, and he's just absolutely wanting to please God. There's this promising start. And as you read the chapters about him, you find that he's a man that not only wanted to rule as a king, but he really wanted what was best for his people. So he sets out in the time that he is king to make sure that the book of the law is read to the people and that teaching is going on so that people get an understanding of of God's true desires for their life. He keeps going on in this book to say, so the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of Judah. I love those words, the Lord established. It's not he did his best, he tried his hardest, he did all he could. The Lord established him. That's what we're talking about. God did it. We need to turn to God. We need to be people who depend on God to be the one to establish things for us. 
He goes on to say he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. And what did he do? He removed pagan shrines. He removed Asherah poles. All the evil worship that was going on, he removed those things and only worshiped the living God. He relies on God through all of his life with one little exception. In the next chapter, he makes an alliance with another king. He makes an alliance with the king of Israel. And the king of Israel at that time is Ahab. Ahab is the pit. He's the depths. He's the worst in terms of the kings of Israel. And he makes an alliance with them. And ultimately a prophet rebukes him and says, why in the world did you make an alliance with someone so evil? But then the book goes on to say, having done all that, he still relied on God. He still always turned to God. Well, over the next couple of chapters, Jehoshaphat just, he he experiences this tremendous season of peace. No war, no attacks, everything is going great. And then comes chapter 20. It says, after this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Menuhites declared war on Jehoshaphat. And, And some people go out, messengers go out, and they look out over the plain, they look out over in Getty, and they can see the armies coming. They can see them advancing. Now, here's a man who all of his life has depended on God. So when the armies are advancing, when the battle is coming, when the giants are coming his way, what does he do? Well, chapter 20 tells us that Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. So even after all these years, he still finds himself gulping. An army is coming. What are we going to do? And he begged the Lord for guidance. Let me ask you, when the armies are coming toward you, what do you do? Do you start relying on your human achievements, the things you've done in the past? Do you rely on your personal potential or do you get on your knees? Do you get on your knees and just say, God, what do I do now? I'm terrified. I don't know the next move. I need you to guide me. He cries out to God for guidance. The Bible says he was terrified. And it says he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. I love this about Jehoshaphat. It's not just that he was a godly man, but because he had built in people throughout the years, he was able to say, in this time of desperation, I don't want to be the only one praying. I don't want to be the only one seeking God. I need you too. I need you to pray too. And so you have all the nation praying together, praying to God, asking for his help as this army advances. A lot of you are thinking, why weren't they going for their weapons? Why weren't they sharpening their swords? Because they're, they're turning to the most powerful ally they have. They're turning to the Lord their God. They're asking God for help in their time of need. To some of us, that sounds like a foreign message. There are things that we should do. There are things we should be getting done. But what God is saying in those moments of desperation, we need to turn to him for guidance. says Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the whole court, and he prayed to the Lord. And I love his prayer. We won't get into the details. But he he prays a lot like the other kings of Israel. He, He gives God a little history lesson. He says, do you remember when you did this for us? Do you remember when you helped us with this? Do you, do you remember when you, when you let these bad guys off the hook? Well, these bad guys are now the ones that are about to attack us. And we're just wondering, what are you going to do about it? 
What are you going to do about it? Because, because we're in trouble. We're in trouble. If this army comes and attacks, we are absolutely in trouble. There's nothing, nothing we can do to stop them. He ends the prayer by saying, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? Do you do that in your life? Do you rely on God so heavenly, heavily that when the battle, when you're confronting the battle, rather than sharpening your sword, rather than figuring out how you're going to solve the problem, you say, oh God, what are you going to do? Won't you stop them? Won't you work on our behalf? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. We're looking to you for help. Here's a king of Israel who's a true man of God, who's saying, God, if you don't help us, we're sunk. We are absolutely sunk. What are we going to do? And and I love this next verse. It's so dramatic. It says, As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Can you see this? I mean, they've heard the king pray, and they're standing there, and they're next to their wife, and their four-year-old is standing there, and they're holding their baby. feels like an old western. They've heard Black Bart is in the next town and he's about to come riding in and cause a ruckus. And what are we going to do? And the sheriff, the sheriff's kind of wimpy. What are we going to do? We're in big trouble. Here we go. There they are. They're standing there. And it's like the crickets are chirping and they're wondering what's going to happen next. What happens next? The spirit of the Lord came upon a man who was standing there named Jezehel. And, And this man, the spirit of God comes on him and gives them a message, a message for Jehoshaphat and a message for the whole community. This is what he says. I love it. He starts by saying, this is what the Lord says. Not, I have an idea, or I read a book once, or, you know, I took a class and they said, this is what the Lord says. An absolutely authoritative declaration. This is what the Lord says. What does he say? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. I love the fact that so often when God begins to speak to his people, he starts by saying, just calm down. Let's take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. And he hits both angles because we both, we don't all react the same way. Some of us, when the army is coming, we react with fear. Our knees knock, our mouth gets dry. And we hope someone else gets first in line and does what needs to be done because we're afraid. Other people don't go the fear route. They go the discouragement route. They just, they count and they say, we can't do this. We're sunk. We're toast. We're dead meat. And he hits both sides because he knows we're wired differently. For some, when you're facing your battle, fear sets in and it's paralyzing. And for others, when you're facing your battle, hopelessness sets in. And you just go, there's nothing I can do. We're dead meat. What's going to happen? This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. Now, that's a great message, but they're still going to get killed. So you're just not supposed to be discouraged, not be supposed to be afraid because, hey, positive thinking will get you places. No, he says, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, for the battle is not yours but God's. 
You need to take that line, if you're a high schooler or if you're 80, you need to take that line with you for the rest of your days. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Too often we think the battle belongs to us. The battle is ours to fight. The battle is ours to handle. The battle is not yours, but God's. And the sooner we grasp that spiritual reality, the sooner we hold on to that spiritual reality, we will start living in this world the way God intended. For most of us, we're still trying to fight the battle on our own. We're just hacking away. And we're getting nowhere because we have not yet realized the battle is not yours, but God's. So this prophet lays out the battle plan. He says, you know, tomorrow you're going to go ahead and march out against them. He says, go ahead and do it. Head on out there. And here's the good news. You will not even have to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He says, if the battle belongs to God, you don't even have to grab a sword. You don't even have to put on armor. Just watch. Just watch God act. When's the last time in your life that you stood back and just watched God act? You trusted him so much. You said, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to move. I'm ready for you to move on my behalf. The next day, they're heading out to battle, and Jehoshaphat delivers his Braveheart speech. He's on his horse. He's riding up and back. Boom, boom, boom. And he says to them, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord, your God, and you will be able to stand firm, believe in the prophets and you will succeed. He says, if it's truly God's battle, if we've been told we don't have to fight, then there's one thing we have to do. We have to believe. We have to believe that this is God's battle and God is the one who's going to do the fighting for us. Then he gives these really bizarre instructions. He says, I know what we'll do. We'll sing. Let's just sing. So he gets a group of people together to start to sing. And they sing this song. They tell us what the song is. Give thanks to the Lord. His, his faithful love endures forever. So they just start to sing. And the Bible tells us that at the very moment they began to sing and give praise to the Lord, God caused the armies of Ammon, and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting against themselves. So you hear you have these armies and they just turn on each other and they start battling with each other. And before you know it, if you read this passage, it says all of them were wiped out. They were all killed. And, and, and on top of that, everything they brought was sitting there in the valley. And the Bible tells us that for the next three days, Jehoshaphat and his armies went and got the plunder from the valley and brought it home. It became known as the Valley of Blessing because in that place they saw God battle for them. They saw God do the work for them. They saw God supply for them. I don't know about you. I read a story like this and I'm like, this is the life I want to live. I want to live a life where I realize that the battle belongs to the Lord and I'm ready to just watch him, absolutely watch him work on our behalf says, all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them the victory over their enemies. And you know, it didn't end there. The fame of the battle spread. And it says, when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Are you ready for some rest? Are you ready for some rest on every side? 
giving God the battle, letting him have the battle, letting him have the victory so that you can have rest, literally rest on every side. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by the mighty army you're facing. For the battle is not yours, but it is God's. We face many, many battles in life. No question. We face battles as individuals. We, we've faced battles as, as, as a church. Uh, challenges that we've come up against that we've been like, what are we going to do about that? For us, one of our challenges was 2008. We moved out of a building and we moved here thinking, hey, we're going to go ahead and get a building built and things are going to happen. And then September 2008 happens. This financial earthquake that leaves people without jobs. And you're like, what in the world do we do now? We face some battles. And, and here's what I would love. As a church, I'd love to know that God's the one fighting for us instead of us doing the fighting. We, we're in a fun season right now, an interesting season. We've been doing some investigating, some investigating as to what could possibly happen on that land and what possible time frame could we have for getting out of setting up and setting down chairs after pulling them out of a box and all that sort of thing. What kind of timetable could we be in? And we're actually in the process of gathering information with that right now so that we can, within the next month, come to you as a congregation and talk about the future, talk about what the future might look like. But here's what I don't want. I don't want us to pull out our sword and do it ourselves. I don't want us, by our achievement or our potential, figuring out what we can do. I want to know that whatever happens, it's what God wants. It's what God wants to do. And what we're literally doing is standing back and watching God fight for us. Now, I'm not going to lead the singing, but we want to see God. We want to see God fight for us. And so I'm calling on you to do something today. Just like Jehoshaphat called on Israel to fast along with him, I've been doing a lot of praying. Praying about the giants and the battles we face as a church. And I want to call on you to do the same. To join me in the prayer. To know that we're not alone in this. It, ironically, it works out that now to August 1st is 40 days. It's 40 days. And I'm calling on those that love God and love Southfield to spend the next 40 days each day praying for our church, praying for our future, praying about what God might do in us. I have a card for you. You'll receive it on the way out the door, out at the door. But I want you to pray five prayers. Pray that God will give us direction as we move forward. Show us the path we're to take. And then we give you a verse that you can pray. Pray for sound advice. And one of the things that's been frustrating along the way, you get advice, but is it good advice? Is it the right advice? Do the people know what they're talking about? That we would pray for unity. That in whatever happens ahead, whether there's a building or not a building or whatever, God would keep us unified as a church body. Pray for protection from the evil one because the evil one loves to stir up junk in a church all the time. And then praying for God's favor. Favor with him and favor with people. There are five of those. You can approach this any way you want. You can pray all of this every day. You could just say, I'm going to pray each one of those uh, one weekday and just focus on that. And then the ending, I want you to go ahead and pray this beautiful prayer 
from Psalm 90. It's a prayer we prayed before for our church, and I love it. And as you work with it every day, you'll find it sinking into your soul. It says, oh, Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. I love that. It's kind of a Jehoshaphat prayer that says, we need you, God. We need you. It says, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil work years for good. And then this verse is the one that grips me. Let us, your servants, see your work again. I want to see God work. I want to see God show up. I want to see God fight the battle on our behalf. And then the second part, and let, your, let our children see your glory. I want our kids to be able to see the way God works and know that God's real. He's not just a story we teach on Sunday morning. God is real and he's active in the life of our people. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. So I'm asking you to join me in praying those prayers for the next 40 days, now through August 1st. And then I want you to take one other action. It's going to take a little guts because it's going to require some some moving, moving from the chair you're in, okay? Uh, We have this beautiful property over here. And what we did this past week is we cleared a path and a spot. And we put two chairs in that spot. So you have a path that goes back under the oak trees. And there's a spot back there with a couple prayer chairs. And I want you one time, at least one time in the next 40 days, to go alone or to go with a family member, to go with a friend and spend some time praying. We've actually laminated the cards we have. They're right there on the handles. So you don't even have to bring anything. You might want to bring bug spray. The gnats are getting a little nasty. But outside of that, just show up and spend some time praying. And there's another card that we have there, and and we just call that Dream with God. And I want you to sit there and just dream about what God could do. What could God do in your kids through that place? Your grandkids, people that don't even exist yet. What, what could God do in the lives of students? What, what could God... Sit there under those oak trees and imagine 300 day camp kids. Spend some time to dream with God in that place. And let's see over the next 40 days what God does in us. Not what we do. I'm telling you what. I am not into hype, manipulation, and all kinds of gimmicks to, you know, let's get the moment. Come on, we've got to fan the flame. I want God to fan the flame. I want God to be the one doing the work. So call on you to pray with me. I don't want to be praying alone. I know Kim is. And she's good. But I don't want us to be praying alone. I want to know we're all praying on this, praying about what God will do. I want you to get over there at least once and sit and dream with God. Just dream with God in prayer. Let me give you a quick map, okay? So you are here. In fact, to be precise, you're sitting right here right now, okay? So you're going to go out dove. Don't go by way of the arrow because you'll go through Bironis's house. You want to go up the street, come out on dove, take a right, and you'll drive along our property. And the first stone path you see there is a driveway. You can go back in there. About halfway up, you see a parking area. In fact, in this picture, you can see uh, Ray out tilling. And so you come on, you come on up the path. Come on up the path. There's a parking area right here. So you can park there, walk the perimeter of the garden, and you're taking a path back here under the trees to just spend some time praying. Sometime in the next 40 days, spend some time out there dreaming with God and asking God, what do you want to do in this place? 
What do you want to do in this place? We need his guidance. We need to know what he wants. We know what we want. But who cares? We need to know what he wants. We need to know how he wants to act. So I hope you'll join me in that, in that effort of praying, lifting up to God, because here's what it all comes down to it. Oh, I had these circles, sorry. Boom, 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 there you go. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We haven't been afraid, but I suspect we've been discouraged. Come on. Is this ever going to happen? When? How? What? For the battle is not yours but God's. This church belongs to God. It doesn't belong to a person. It doesn't belong to anybody but Jesus. And so we look for him to show us where you're taking us. What are you showing us? Just go ahead and let him open our eyes to see his path. Let's talk to him together. Now, Father God, we set out in this journey together, and I pray that it is a commitment we will all make, not just one person or two, but that as we have this opportunity over the next 40 days, we will, we will pour out our hearts before you. We'll express to you emotions of, of joy and sorrow, of discouragement, maybe even fear. We'll just lay it all out, and we'll say, God, we need you to show us the next step. We need you to act on our behalf. Give us moments under those trees to sit in those chairs and dream. Dream about what you might do in that place and to ask you, ask you, Father God, to fulfill those dreams. Because we as people, we can't do this thing on our own. We need you to be the one to act on our behalf. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our servers are going to come right now and we're going to receive communion. Bread and cup in a single tray. You go ahead and take the bread and eat it first. And let's hold on to the cup until the end. And we're going to sing a song that's been sung as uh, special music in the past. But now we're going to sing it together. And it sings that fact that we are never, ever, ever alone in the battles we face as human beings. Looking just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done Knowing every victory is your power in us Scars and struggles on the way But with joy our hearts can say Yes, our hearts can say Never once did we you've done, knowing every victory is your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say.
When we talk about the pain of the crucifixion, a lot of times we, we focus on the physical aspects of it. We focus on nails going into hands, on a crown of thorns crushed into a brow, on a whipped back. But the true torment of the crucifixion was not physical. It was in that moment when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, in a way that we will never understand as a human being, God turned his back on God. In that moment, because of sin, God the Father turned his back on God the Son. And the fact is, for a lot of us, when we hear those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You may be thinking, that's my life verse. I just find myself all the time feeling like God has absolutely abandoned me. I'm alone. I'm alone in the battles. And I don't understand why life has to be that way. What we feel and what is don't necessarily match. We can feel abandoned, but that does not mean we are. There are times that, yeah, life feels lonely. It feels like God is not there, but that is not the truth. And we need moments like this that we are reminded that we are never abandoned. We are never forsaken. God knows what he's doing. He always does. Let's drink the cup together. Just before the servers come, I want to ask you to take that card again. And there were three commitments on the back. I want you to check off any or all of them that apply. The first one is a simple commitment that, yep, I'm praying for 40 days right along with you. Now, by 40 days, I know, you know, if you miss day 32, you don't have to like, you know, oh my goodness, that's it. I can't come to church anymore. I broke the promise. But, you know, you're making commitment here. I'm going to be one of the people that's going to be praying. Uh, you'll even make the commitment. The second one is, I'm going to get over there at least once. I'm going to go sit in those chairs, and I'm going to dream with God. And the third one is pretty simple. I'm looking forward to God being the one to act. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens when God shows up and when God does his work. So go ahead and make any or all of those commitments. Our servers are coming right now. They'll receive the offering. You can place the offering in there. And when you do, you can also go ahead and place your card in there. Really, not just as a way of getting that back to us, but as a way of saying to God, God, I'm making this commitment to you. I promise. I promise I pray. I'll pray. I'll promise I'll join in in these 40 days of lifting up our church to God. We have been uh, in the middle of doing some summer homework, and one of our projects is due next week. We have two different people. Uh, We have Mary Beth Sticka, and then we have a family as well, the Clark family, that we are hoping to honor. Uh, They've come to points of celebration in their life. The Mary Beth is, after years and years of going to college as an adult and, and raising a child to adulthood, she's finally graduated from college, and so we're wanting to send her congratulations And then the Clarks are just a family that that you may never get the privilege of meeting. Family that's uh, working at Green Lake, uh, at the the camp across from Green Lake, and is uh, involved in helping kids this summer. They're they're just living on, on meager funds. They've just had a child. They're just starting a new job. And we thought this would be a great way to encourage them as servants of God. So what we're asking you to do is go ahead and 
put a card together for them. You can either go buy one or you can make up your own, put together a card that just says, hey, congratulations on this milestone for the Clarks. It's that they just had a baby. Her name is Ellie. And then go ahead and put in some sort of a gift. You can put in a gift card to your favorite place, to something you think they might enjoy. You may want to put in a check, whatever you want. And we're just collecting all of those up and delivering them all at once so that it's just for Mary Beth, we'll be able to throw our own little uh, graduation celebration away saying uh, congratulations on your graduation and the same for the Clark. So make sure to bring those next week and we'll be getting those delivered in July. I'm grateful again uh, that you were here today. Look forward to seeing the way God is going to respond to our season of prayer. How'd you do today? You make it? We, we, we poured a lot out there, put a lot into, into 60 minutes. It's uh, 10.30. They prepped this song. We're not leaving without it. So come on, let's stand and let's sing to God as we head on our way today. Higher than the mountains that I face Stronger than the power of the grave Constant through the trial and the change One thing remains One thing remains Your life never fails, never gives up Never runs out on me Your life never fails, never gives up Never runs out on me Never fails, never gives out, never runs out on me, your love. On and on and on and on it goes, for it overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never, ever had to be afraid, cause what?